Oops, I need a glass of water. Killing me, Charlton Thorpe, man, a man with no sense of nuance. Hey, everybody, I'm Kai Rizdahl. Welcome back to Make Me Smart, where we make today make sense. And I'm Kimberly Adams. Thank you, everyone, for joining us on this Wednesday. It is September the 6th. All right, so we're going to do what we always do uh, most days of the week on this podcast. We'll do some news. We'll do a little bit of smiles. Uh, and then we will get on our merry way. Let us begin. Ms. Adams, you get to go first. My news item is this big thing in the New York Times, huge interactive by the New York Times editorial board, a bunch of stories together about um, how America is aging. And you and I have talked about this quite a bit, about how woefully mm-hmm. unprepared we are mm-hmm. for the aging of our country and the economy is not ready for it. The healthcare system is not ready for it. Younger people are not ready for it. Certainly the workforce is not ready. We don't have the housing. And so the New York Times has a bunch of pieces looking at different components of it, um, you know, what it means for our infrastructure, like sidewalks and street Um, crosswalks and, Mm -hmm. you know, even how the lighting and paint on highways and things like that, as more and more of the population are older. Um, Obviously, there's a discussion of health care. There was um, a really interesting um, data point in the sort of opening piece of this. Let me see if I can find it. Here we go. By 2053, more than 40% of the federal budget will go towards programs for seniors, primarily Social Security and Medicare. But those programs are not designed or prepared to handle the new demographic reality. 40% before anything else, before interest on the national debt, before defense, before, you know, education for the, you know, few children that we see we are having um and that is wild and i wonder if that's going to be what sort of um pushes more public support for universal health care once those health care uh numbers start going up huh Sorry, I'm just I'm I'm pondering the I wonder if that's going to be the support that's going to be the thing that gives support for topic X, whatever that is, because as mm. we all know, a number of months ago as the planet was burning because it was heating burns everywhere, I said, I hope this is the year that focuses the mind on climate change and, and I no. I don't know. I don't know. No. I don't know. That's fair. I mean, I also have, you know, in in the vein of being cynical about all of this renewed attention. (laughs) Welcome aboard, Kimberly Adams. Welcome aboard the cynical train. You've 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 converted me to to your religion. (laughs) I'm I'm so Um, so mad. I'm sorry. Now now I'm bummed. I feel like a jerk. (laughs) No, but I mean, as I was reading all of these things, it reminded me a lot of. A sense I got, you know, early in the pandemic when there was this shift to remote work and everyone figuring mm-hmm. out how to work remotely. And a lot of the things that they're pointing out um, for aging boomers effectively um, mm-hmm. are things that the disability community has been asking for for ages. Oh, yeah. And yeah. just like remote work was something that people in the disability community were saying this could work, it could be something that we do to make work more accessible. You know, they're talking about the importance of making sure that sidewalks are smooth or that, mm-hmm. you know, more of the housing stock is built to be accessible and, you know, allows people to age in place. 
these are things that people in the disability community have been saying were necessary for decades. But now that sort of there's a bigger chunk of effectively previously able-bodied people who are now feeling this for the first time suddenly becomes a bigger priority. And I wish that we were a bit more empathetic as a country. Um, and then maybe we'd be fixing problems earlier. But that's my little rant. No, amen. I, I, uh, I'm on board with that. We, we should all be more empathetic because it would, it would fix yeah. a lot of things, actually. Uh, yeah. Okay. Mine's a, mine's a little bit far afield, and it's outside the general bailiwick of this, of this podcast, but uh, it is very pro-democracy, and so I will just go ahead and say it. So uh, mm-hmm. there has been uh, a, a movement of sorts, a, a chatter in the, in the uh, sort of um, political pundit class about the 14th Amendment to the Constitution of the United States, the third clause of which says that if you engage in a rebellion against the United States, you cannot hold an office uh, under the care of the United States. It's one of the uh-huh. Civil War Amendments, obviously, passed in 1860, whatever the heck it was. And there are some people now, some very reputable, high-powered, both conservative and liberal legal scholars and minds, who are saying the 14th Amendment um, will prevent Donald Trump from ever being president. It is self-executing. He just cannot be on the ballot because he engaged in a rebellion against the United States. So... Um, two things. Number one, uh-huh. uh, I recommend everybody's attention, uh, an interview that aired on Morning Edition this morning in which David Frum, formerly a commentator on Marketplace, but now a senior editor at The Atlantic, um, had a conversation with Daniel Estrin, who was sitting in for whichever one of the hosts of that program wasn't in, um, uh, in which, and I forget the woman's name on the other side, and I apologize for that, um, uh, in which David Frum made the point that this is sort of the land of magical thinking. Um, if you keep Trump off the ballot by using the 14th Amendment, um, the percentage of the population, which approaches 50, by the way, that voted for Donald Trump in any election will say, this wasn't legitimate. You didn't let our guy on the ballot. That's ridiculous. On a technicality from 100 and whatever it is years ago now. That's just not feasible. Um, it also opens the door for future misuse of the third clause of the 14th Amendment by people who want to keep um, Democrats off uh, whatever ballot they like because uh, we do it to them, they'll do it to us is, is the thinking. So I mention that because Brad Raffensperger, the Secretary of State of the state of Georgia, who, as we all know, has been heavily involved in the whole January 6th thing and the phone call with the president of the recording and I just need to find me 11,000 votes, that whole thing. Raffensperger is out with an op-ed in the Wall Street Journal today in which he says, I cannot keep Donald Trump off the ballot. Voters have to decide. Um, And I agree with both of those guys. I think that, as both of them say, voters have to have to cowboy up on this one. If you are for or against Donald Trump, then rally your people. Sign up to take them to the polls. Do all you can to get out the vote, because that is what fundamentally has to happen to make this be a legitimate election and have it um, have some uh, legitimacy, even though it may not be recognized by all involved, shall we say. Um, and anyway, that's my spiel. With the understanding that it is very unlikely we're going to get resolution to a lot of these cases pending mm-hmm. against Donald Trump prior to the election, what mm-hmm. if he gets convicted, though? Yeah, then does yeah. the 14th Amendment apply? Well, no, because because he hasn't been convicted of rebellion or seditious conspiracy, right? He's not accused of that. Yeah, that's anymore. true. He's, he's not charged right? of that anywhere. Right. Yeah, right, he'd have to be right. charged with seditious conspiracy exactly. and then be convicted exactly. of it. 
Yeah. And, and as far as I um, know, there are no more there are no more indictments coming along those lines. I think four is plenty. Sorry. We'll we'll see what happens in the discovery process. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Who knows what else is going to yeah. come out? Um, there are uh, uh, citizens for responsible ethics in Washington. Yes, crew mm-hmm. um, has filed a lawsuit in Col- Colorado to try to keep Trump off the right. ballot based right. on the 14th right. Amendment. So it, we're going to see a lot right. more of these and popping we, up. We are, and, and we totally are. And look, there's a chance this could wind up before the Supreme Court, you know? Yeah. And then, and then you yeah, know, that who knows would... what's going to happen. Yeah. Right? I thought it was interesting in that Wall Street Journal op-ed, though, that um, Raffensperger lumped Stacey Abrams' complaints yeah, about know. I know. Uh, yeah, I know. the validity of the elections with yep. Donald yep. Trump's complaints about the validity yep. of the elections, which I thought was uh, a stretch. It's, 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 <laughs> yeah, it's a little bit of both sides of them, for sure. Totally. Yeah. Totally, totally. All right. Shall we? Well, Charles. yeah, let's, let's do some smiles. Go ahead. Uh, I'll go first because the first one is related to my news item about aging in America. This super cool story in Outside uh, Magazine about the fastest, and I'm just going to read the headline, the fastest 60-year-old woman on earth is only getting faster. And this is about Sue McDonald, um, who is a you know, an athlete who competes in the 60 to 64 women's age group and has eight world records in that group. Seven ratified, one is pending. I'm just going to read this paragraph. Having recently snatched world records in the indoor 800 meters and indoor 1500 meters, McDonald was unstoppable chasing outdoors records too. 400 meter, 800 meter, 1500 meter, mile, 300 meter at several Southern California track meets and the 2023 USATF Masters Outdoor Championships in July. And I feel so out of shape right now. Um, but it's a great profile yeah. about sort of how she keeps herself in shape, her attitude about it, and just, um, you know, I think it's really great to see this new perspective on aging. Um, a couple of, like, sometime last week I wanted to have as my smile, but I didn't because I talked about Bhutan instead. Um, the Silver Bachelor, what is it called? Um, you know, the Bachelor TV show mm-hmm, with the roses mm-hmm. and everything? Do, they have so. one now for this, um, for older people. It's like this guy in his 70s who's a widower, and so there's all these women who are competing on this show who are older women, and there's this beautiful piece in The Hollywood Reporter profiling all these women with these glamour shots, and I love the representation of older women as sexy and beautiful. Not that you know, we should be objectified or whatever. But anyway, all that aside, I thought it was great to see this being represented as desirable and beautiful in our youth-obsessed and perfection-obsessed totally. society. And the, in the same vein, I love that this is representing um, an athlete at her peak, if you know, and and getting better at sixty, which makes me really happy. Oh yeah. And and it's yeah. it's about strength and dedication and purpose and training and all of the you know good sort of you know character traits to have. It's awesome. It's really yeah. cool. There's 
um, a photo of her doing um, a high jump, and I'm just like, man, I couldn't, not even in high school, (laughs) not even in college. Um, All right, and I've got one more to, like, appeal to my little anime heart. Um, Miyazaki has another film coming out, his first film in a decade. Um, Hayao Miyazaki, I believe is how they say his first name. Um, But anyway, it's his first film in a decade, and it's probably going to be his last. It's called The Boy and the Heron, and the trailer is out, and um, it looks amazing. It's coming out in December. I'm super excited about it. And I think it's really cool. They decided not to really invest too much in the Hollywood launch, and they're just kind Mm of um, putting their efforts elsewhere in the world. But there's um, a really great quote that he gave to um, the Japanese NHK, I believe. I got to find this quote again. All right, yeah. Suzuki, uh, this is not from Miyazaki, it's from. Um, somebody, uh, the collaborator, Toshio Suzuki, who says, a poster and a title. That's all we got when we were children. I enjoyed trying to imagine what a movie was about, mm. and I wanted to bring that feeling back because they didn't release a lot of information in advance about the film in terms of who was going to be in it and what it was going to be about. They kept it very vague, and so I'm very excited to see it. Could be cool. Yeah, something for yeah. anime fans everywhere. Uh, yes. Okay, mine's a quick follow-up, uh, and and you might have already seen this news, don't know, but uh, the, it, it's uh, it's making me smile. Jorge Vilda, who's the coach of the Spanish national women's soccer team, has been fired. He is not the guy Yay. who sexually assaulted Jenny Hermoso. Uh, that's Luis Rubiales, whose mother is still, I think, on a hunger strike and who still has his job, uh, even though he's been suspended. But the coach himself, who is the object of no small uh, amount of controversy, has been fired. So a step forward in Spain for uh, women's sports and and, uh, smashing the patriarchy. It's a good thing. Okay. It's a good thing. It's a good thing. Yes. Uh, All right. So we go out on that. We're back tomorrow, uh, which is going to be Thursday. In the meanwhile, uh, do us a favor, would you? We are coming up on our 1,000th episode, which I'm told will be Friday. First of all, it's amazing that people count this stuff. Uh, But we want to know what your favorite episodes were, your favorite guests, your favorite moments perhaps have been. Uh, let us know, 508-UB-SMART, 508-UB-SMART, or write to us at makemesmart at marketplace.org. Yes, and we do have a little bit of a special announcement. If you haven't already signed up for our newsletter, you really want to do that this week because we are giving all of our subscribers a surprise gift to celebrate our 1,000th episode. one we are. Thousand. I'm a subscriber. Yes, we are. I'm a subscriber. Yes. So you'll get right. it too. Okay. You'll be lucky. Be you'll, be get, you'll get it too. Right. And I'm working on a, a specialty um, um commemorative yes commemorative cocktail for the event that will be included in the newsletter also so you can sign up at marketplace.org newsletters make me smart is produced by courtney bergseeker ellen rolfus writes our newsletter today's program is engineered by charlton thorpe our intern is neil farshabandi Ben Tolliday and Daniel Ramirez composed our theme music. Our senior producer is Marissa Cabrera. Bridget Bodner is the director of podcasts. Francesca Levy is the executive director of digital. And sometimes on demand, too. And sometimes. Every now and then. Thursdays and Fridays, I think. That's it. Every other week. (laughs) I don't know. We all want to be our best selves. But it can be an expensive journey. From experimenting with alternative medicine... 
I was working with a natural, holistic nutritionist and never really thought about the cost. To splurging on fast fashion. I was spending like all my tips. I was definitely spending like $200 a week. I'm Rima Hreis, host of Marketplace's This Is Uncomfortable. This season, we explore the cost of self-care and the real motivations behind our spending choices. Listen to This Is Uncomfortable wherever you get your podcasts.